Good afternoon, everybody, and God bless you. Welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. This is Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be talking about no worries. We're going to be looking at those this place in Scripture that is in connection with Matthew chapter number 6, uh, concerning the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus would teach, as well as Luke bringing it out here, that, that God's really got this, and that we don't have to be afraid or anxious about a lot of the things that are outside of the scope of our ability to control, and that we are, to, or we are called to just simply trust in Jesus. So we're going to be looking at that today in light of the, the Scripture and rejoicing in the fact that there just might be some things in our life in this very day that we could let go of so, because there's nothing we could do about it anyways, but that we, we could let go of it trusting that God would, would take care of it for us. So we'll look into it. Father, we are grateful for the blessing of the Word of God today. We are grateful for everything that you're about to reveal and for what you've done for us. We're thankful, Lord, for how you have blessed us and given us this time together every day to be able to consider your way. And we'll ask thy blessing upon us in Jesus' name in this hour. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to go from Luke chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 22. And this section is going to be fairly long. We're going to read down from 22 to 34. So we've got 11 verses to cruise through. And the scripture beginning in verse 22 says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse or barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And if you then be, be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass of the field which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith, and seek not what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A very unique teaching that Jesus gives, and uniquely brought out here in Luke, 
as to the perspective that would be taught in Matthew. As the very basis of this premises being in verse number 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now keep the concept of the treasure in mind as we look back to verse number 22 when he would initially state, take no thought for your life as concerning what you will be able to eat or for your body as concerning what you will be able to put on. Then remember in verse number 34 that your your treasure ought to be in heaven. As he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and what we find in our country today, that the majority of our, our people in society of the United States, their treasure is what in what they're putting on, even as concerning the church. I know that, that when my wife and I first glimpsed at this concept of Christianity, we were put off by it because there was no fellowship rendered unto us in the very first church that we attended together because we weren't dressed a certain way, because we didn't have a certain level of finances to be able to put any money in the plate. And the truth is, is that we really didn't understand it and we didn't know about a tithe. We just knew that churches wanted money and we didn't have any to to spend on a church so we didn't give any but but at the same vein we were treated kind of distantly and we we weren't communicated with or appreciated for being there just for being there and so it was very off-putting to us because well if we're not in a suit apparently we're not welcome before god and if we're not of a certain status or putting money in a plate, apparently we're not welcome before this congregation. So, you know, the, the, the concept of, of where our treasure is, is where our heart will be, is, is very evident within our society that, that we, we seek to be seen in a certain way, seen in a certain status, seen... Uh, and, and and known for our wealth or our position or for the way we dress or for the for the niche that that we're connected to and this is just not Jesus this isn't Jesus at all and so we find that there are many many treasures that we harbor in our heart but those treasures are not the things of God but the things of man now, if we consider these two uh, situations, verse number 22, as compared to verse number 34, now let's look in the middle of them and see what Jesus has to say. He says, life, the life. Now, he doesn't just say life in general, but he says the life in verse number 23. Now, what life are we referring to? Because this is something that is very specific at this point. It's not just the general dealing with life. It's, it's not just a general life period, like, like what you would normally every day live. This is dealing with something so much more specific. The life is more than me. And, and I submit to you that the life that Jesus is referring to is himself. Our life that is given to us in Christ is a very specific life as being called a Christian. We're not 
actually at liberty to live the way we want to live, to do the things we want to do, to have the things we want to have, and to be whatever we want to be. As Christians, we are are at the mercy of our Savior to do. We're at the mercy of our Savior to be. We're at the mercy of our Savior to have. And so as we, if, as we look to Jesus and trust in our Lord for everything we have, for the food we have on our table, for the, for the clothes that we have on our back, the car that gets us from point A to point B, the job that provides the, the finances to be able to pay the bills, and the very fact that, that, that we have the bills and the, and the grace of the Lord that would help us through uh, every payment. See, we we are at the good pleasure of our Lord at that point. And so the life is more than the food we have, because if we follow Jesus, there may be days where we go without eating. We may be in, in a situation of, of being out on a mission, or we might be engaged in a conversation that may take hours of our day and we might miss a meal. We might miss two meals because we're seeking to share the gospel with others. And so it was more important for us to carry on the conversation of the gospel for this soul to receive Christ than it is for us to actually stop that conversation to go get something to eat. So this life in Christ is much more than the food that we may be tempted to. And this Christian life is more than the clothes that that we may want to have. Of course, obviously, we want to have clothes in general because the antithesis to no, you know, not having any clothes is just not a good point. But do we have to have that suit in order to be Christian? Can we be equally Christian in the jeans and the boots out on the job site working? Can, can we be equally as Christian if, if we're in the aquatic suit because we're divers and we're out on the ocean? You, you see, it's, it's not about the, the style or type of clothing or the colors that it may bear. It's, it's not about the clothes and it's not about the food. It's about the gospel. And it's about being real with who we are, because if we're anxious about the way people perceive us because of how we dress, we're not thinking about Jesus or the gospel. And if we're anxious about being able to get the next meal, we're not in consideration of the kingdom of God or the work of God, because we're constantly worried about food. And that's what makes me laugh about folks that get upset with me that I might go past noon on a Sunday is that they have this these great plans that would be set up they 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 have this this noontime concept this noontime meal and the family's all going to gather together and they're just waiting for this huge supper this huge meal and so pastor you can't go past noon because I've got to get home and I've got to cook and I've got to make all of these preparations to be able to get the table ready so that when all of the family comes over that we can have this great meal together because that's what Sunday is all about it's not about technically worshiping God though that's one of the things that I will do in any given Sunday it's not about 
you know, the, the fellowship of the saints. It's it's about that noontime meal that that church has to be over with so that I can get back to. And it's about the the ball game at three. We we we've gotta have these things done before then, or it just I'm gonna be upset. So the reality is, is that it's actually not about Jesus at all, but about those things which would happen after you finish with your religious part to, to fulfill in, in this Jesus concept. Wherein the scripture here would tell us, don't worry about the noontime meal. Don't, hey, if your family wanted to be with you, they'd have come to church with you. I mean, it's so funny when I hear about people saying, "Your pastor, you need to you need to get done at noon because I need to get back home to my family." And my thoughts are, well, why isn't your family here with you? You see, we wouldn't have to get done at noon if all of your family was here with you. Then you would all be together, and then you could all leave together. But the reality is, is well, none of my kids go to church but they all want to come over to the house and make that church. So I've got to be home to be able to cook for them because their their God is their belly, and I've got to make sure to satisfy their gods by getting that, that meal done. And you say, well, pastor, that's harsh, man. You shouldn't be saying that. that you don't know, and that may not be true. Well, you're right. That, that may not be true. But I've got a sneaking suspicion that it is. I've been around this Christian thing for uh, plenty enough time to be able to discover the reality of what I'm saying in this this Sunday occurrence that happens regularly, and it's one of the issues that I get in most trouble over. <laughs> so, why change the status quo? I'll stay in trouble about it. But the scripture is very clear on this. We're not supposed to be worried about that that meal. We're not supposed to be worried about the the status of our clothing or the way in which we dress. We're not supposed to be worried about these things. If anything we should be worried about, it would be about our knowledge of the gospel because that is exactly what we're supposed to know in order to be able to share with the whole world. And so Jesus says, the life, and I love it in verse 23 when he talks about the life because he's he's not talking about your everyday life unless... Your everyday life is this specific life he's talking about, known as Christianity. The life is more than the food, and it's more than the clothes. Then he goes to explain his point in verse number 24. He said, consider the ravens. They they don't have the capability of planting a field. They don't sow, and they don't reap. And And... They don't have any excess. They, they don't have storehouses to be able to keep the, the, a multitude of food. They don't have barns to be able to, to maintain livestock or do any of these things. So they, they live f- per the day. As a raven, they, they find the food for the day. They live per the day. But the scripture reveals the fact that it is God who provides their food. And the same thing is true for us. Remember, we just finished yesterday talking about this this man who planted this field and and an unusual occurrence happened at the planting of this particular year in this field is that he had plenty. And from his plenty, instead of doing his normal barns, instead of storing his normal amount and then having an amount of excess to be able to share with his neighbors or to share with those that have little, 
He, he hoards everything of his plenty and says, well, I know I'll build bigger barns. I'll, I'll tear down the ones I've got and I'll build bigger because now I know I'm going to be having more on a regular basis. So hallelujah, I'll build bigger barns. And, and the point of yesterday was your soul is going to be required of you one day. In other words, you thought that it was you that made all of this happen. You thought you were the one that built your own wealth. You thought you were the one that, that, that did something amazing by storing up all of this excess. And the reality is, is that the whole time it was God blessing you. It was God's provision for you. And what if just I hate hypotheticals, but this is to the point. What if God, in making such a provision for you to be a a unique person, to have the excess that you have, God blessed you with in order to be able to then become a blessing to others around you? And yet, you find yourself hoarding this blessing and saying, they don't deserve it. I worked hard for it. I deserve it. They don't. But the scripture very clearly shows us about the raven is that these guys don't sow, nor do they reap. doesn't mean that they don't work. Ravens do work for the food that they forage to find. But they don't have any accesses to be able to, to store away. They don't have storehouses and barns, and they don't have a knowledge. They don't have hands or an ability to plant, to sow, or to reap. And so there are plenty of people in our society that, that, that don't have the knowledge of being farmers, that don't have the ability because of where they live or what they do for a living to be able to plant, uh, to sow, or to reap as concerning a harvest. And so they provide goods and services in order for people to be able to have, say, electricity and running water and sanitation and, 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 and cleanliness practices so that those who do have the ability to, to produce a crop can produce food so that the, the ones that produce other things have something to eat. So in result, if we're all working together to be a blessing to one another, and this especially to the house of God as the church, if we would all be working together in the in the respective fields of knowledge that we have, and we combine those fields of knowledge together to benefit and bless one another, then everybody's going to be taken care of, and no one's going to be lacking anything. But unfortunately, we just don't find that that ideology happening within the church and thus we have the ravens and and he says aren't you much better than the fowls of the air i mean if god is going to take care of the birds and what they have need of and god is going to take care of the fish and those things that the fish have need of and god is going to take care of everything else that he created don't you think that he's going to take care of you and thus Jesus continues and he says, which of you with taking thought? Now, this, this is just the power of the mind, as, or as we would often hear the cliche adage, uh, mind over matter. So he says, which of you by, by taking thought can add one cubit? Now, the, the measurement of a cubit, if you take your hand and you go from the, the, the middle finger, which is generally the longest finger that you have, and you go down to your elbow, this is the distance right here of one cubit. 
generally it's going to be about the span of between 18 and 21 inches, some longer, some shorter, because everybody's built differently. But that's kind of a standard range for our height and builds today. It's about 18 to 21 inches. And so you figure you're just under two feet there, 24 inches being two feet, but yeah, about a foot and a half or a little over. And he says, by, by thought, which of you can add one, even one foot to your overall height, your stature? And so, uh, needless to say, you can't. It isn't going to happen. Now, by taking actions upon your thoughts, you can add certainly one cubit to your stature width-wise. <laughs> you can choose to eat a lot and gain a lot of weight, and you could definitely add a, a, a certain cubit to your, your stature width-wise by, by taking action. You can take action and gain a cubit to your height by, by walking on stilts or by, by elevating your, your soles of your shoes to raise you up for a cubit. But understand, he doesn't talk about action. He says, by which of you taking thought? You see, and this is a reality of our faith, is we can think about it all day long, but until we apply our faith, we're never going to see any results from it. We can think about the scriptures all we want, but until we apply the scripture to our heart, they'll take none effect within us. We can think about Christianity, but until we do Christianity, all it will be is a thought. And Jesus brings this out in verse number 25 as he says, Which of you taking thought, no actions but only thought, can add to his stature one cubit. Then he goes to 26 and he says, If you're not able to do that which is the least of things, then why are you worried about the rest? Look, if you don't have the ability through thought to be able to add a cubit to yourself, and you're, you're stuck in a position where you're barely able to do the least of the things that you would desire to do or to have or this, that, or the other, why in the world are you worried about anything else that's outside of your control? I mean, it's just that simple. There are so many things that are outside of the scope of our ability to do. There are so many things outside of our power to control. And yet, these are the things that we often find ourselves worrying about the most. And so, Jesus is saying, I mean, why are you taking thought about the rest of these things? And by the way, it, it's often our thoughts that condemn us. And, and Jesus said that through the Apostle Paul over in Romans chapter number 2. He says it is our thoughts that tend to condemn us. Let's take a look at that just for a second. It, it, in Romans chapter number 2, uh, the scripture here is going to say this about verse number 15. Let me get down there. And he says the conscience, and, and the conscience is this place of our thoughts. If you've got a good conscience, it's because you, you are at peace with the, with the thought life that you have and that you're not troubled by those thoughts because they are aligned with Christ. 
But if your conscience be troubled, it's because your thought life is in rebellion to Christ and the Holy Spirit is challenging you on the things that you're thinking, on your thoughts, and, and it's, it's unsettling, it's, it's troubling to you. And it ought to be because the thought life is where we find ourselves getting into a, a, the most trouble. You see, there's nothing that has ever happened in action that has not first been thought because it is the thought life of, of a person that generates all of the activities of the person's life. And so we find that it is in these thoughts that, that we stand accused by the Holy Spirit because he knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. And the Word of God, as we hear it preached and proclaimed, as we study it like we do in these times of the preacher's corner, when we read it for ourselves, and, and, it, and it touches or encroaches upon a, a, a lifestyle or a decision or or a series of decisions that we're making that that is unsettling to us that the Word of God would know that much about us, we, we tend to avoid the, the, the understanding of Scripture by willingly be, being willingly ignorant of what it has to say. And so the Scripture of Romans chapter number 2, uh, verse number 15 is correct, but I'm going to start off in verse number 12. And and the scripture says, For as many as have sinned without the law also shall perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And the important point is, is that those who are not of Israel will still stand in judgment before God because he created their souls too. But those who are of Israel and have the law of God, yet still sin against it, will, will stand judged by it, which is the same penalty for those that didn't have it, which would be perishing in the law. Verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are justified before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Point being is that your thought life must come to a physical reality of action in the Lord before it can be recognized as, as you being faithful to God. Just because you think about being faithful to God often doesn't mean that you're in your actions you're going to be faithful to God. You, you have to act on that which you, which you are thinking concerning the service of the king in order to be found as a servant of the king. Just thinking about it and not doing it doesn't cut it, and the scripture shows that. And verse number 14, he says, For when the Gentiles, which do not have the law, do by nature the things that are contained in the law, these, referring to the Gentiles, who don't have the law, become a law, the law of God, unto themselves, because they are being faithful in their actions to the, the law of God, and it is their conscience, it is their thoughts that bear them witness through their actions that they are following God's law. Now, in 15, it says, uh, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. And this is the point, is that the law of God is written upon every person's heart. And when we are faithful in our thoughts about Christ, 
which drive our actions to the service of Christ in the kingdom of God. It's, it's the work of the law that is shown in our hearts that, that bears witness through our conscience that our thoughts lead us into those activities that would be blessing to God. And, and the scripture of verse 15 goes on to say, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. So understand that it that in my thought life, if those thoughts are are rebellious to Christ, then then the actions that I take on those thoughts will accuse me of not being Christian. I won't be Christian. And the Holy Spirit will give and render judgment to the point. But if my thoughts are equal to my actions as I share the gospel or as I love my neighbor, as I give without expectation of return, and as I, as I serve Jesus as he lays upon my heart within his kingdom to serve him, then my, my thoughts indeed are excusing me from the, the censure or the the, the backlash I might face of being a faithful servant because a world does not want to hear the gospel for it loves its darkness more than the light of the truth. And so, indeed, it's within our thoughts that we find ourselves being accused or being excused, accused by Jesus for not being faithful or excused by Jesus for being faithful, accused of the world for being a Bible-thumping nut, or accused of Jesus for not being a servant of God. So we understand the, the very point that Jesus is making is not being anxious. Don't be afraid of these situations that happen because you're powerless to rule, rule over these things. Then he goes down as concerning food. You now we've dealt with, with anxiety, with worry concerning can we make ourselves grow any? Can do we have the power to take care of the least of these things, then why are we worried about anything else? In verse number 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. The lilies, they don't, they don't toil. They don't, they're, they're not working hard to grow. They're, they're going through a natural cycle is all they're doing. They, they come into the world as, as a, a, a tender root, and they bud, and they bloom, and they grow, and, they, and then they pass. They go through their cycle. He says they toil not. They don't spin. They don't, they don't get all in a tizzy spinning around and freaking out about what they look like or how they, how they look or how they act. He says, and yet I say to you that King Solomon, and y'all know about Solomon, was, was the wealthiest king of ever, <laughs> and, and he was the most gorgeous king. He was arrayed in the finest of materials, and he said Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed like one of these lilies that are in the valley, and praise God for that. And his point in verse 28, if God so clothes the grass that, that grows in the field and then tomorrow is made bread in your oven, how much more do you figure that he's going to cover you? And then Jesus gives you this little smack in the face, O ye of little faith. He's so worried about the way that you look. You're not going to come to church because you had a bad hair day. You're so worried about the way that you look. You're so worried about 
about the the meal you might miss or the the event that that is more important than God's house or the or, or the family that might be coming over all the you you so cumbered and laden by all of these different worries that you're powerless to do anything about you're just powerless these things these events they're going to happen with or without you they're going to happen in their time and, and no amount of preparation, and no amount of, of toiling and worrying and everything else is going to change the, the way in which it's going to go down because it's going to happen the way it's going to happen, regardless of if you try to do anything about it or not. And yet, we are a society that is so worried about everything that we can't control that we often lose sight of the very things that we can. And he, he says, if God closed the grass... How much more do you think he's going to clothe you? And if God takes care of the sparrows or takes care of the ravens or takes care of the fields, what what makes you think he isn't going to take care of you? He comes down and and about Matthew chapter number 6 in in verse number 30 and then working our way down to 6:33 is what we're about to see in verse 31 here of Luke 12. He says, seek not what you shall eat, don't worry about what you're going to drink, and don't be of a doubtful mind. Don't, okay, so you haven't had a meal yet today. Are you going to question God and say, what, are you trying to starve me? Are you leaving me out here to die? Well, it's exactly what Israel did. You remember God provided Israel substance. Now, it may not have been exactly what they wanted, it was, you know, it was manna. It was, it was basically a, a process of of nourishment that they would create breads out of, so that God would provide the manna in in that wilderness. Remember, and and the first thing that they griped about was, oh, we've been let out here to die. We're gonna starve having all this bread to eat. We're gonna, we're just gonna starve to death. I mean, why can't God give us some meat? Well, then God, if you recall, gave them the fowl of the air. They flew in and they dropped dead right there. I mean, they didn't even have to shoot them down. They didn't have to snare them or catch them. God just literally flew the birds in and dropped them on the ground for them to be able to get. And and several of the Israelites actually gorged themselves on this meat to the point where their stomachs burst, where they, where they killed themselves by overeating, which is, what were they thinking? But the reality is, is that they wouldn't have been in that wilderness had they have been faithful to God to begin with. If you recall that the reason why they were in this journey in the wilderness is because they rejected going into the promised land that God had given to them. And so it's actually their fault that they're eating this manna. It's their fault that they're they're stuck in this situation of being in the wilderness but they were so worried about those giants. And, and in fact, they were more worried about those giants than they were about Almighty God who, who could have taken care of that problem for them. They were so worried about every little thing that they had no power to control that they rejected what God wanted them to do. And in their rejection... God then had to to judge his children and deal with them in a manner that would lead them into this wilderness for 40 years in order for the generation that denied him and rejected him to to perish, just as he promised. And you're seeing that here. 
for the next generation who is capable of serving God to go forward into the service of the king. And so is it very important for us to understand that if we stand in rebellion to what God wants us to do and we, re- we reject his call in our life, that we will have to answer for that, and possibly our future generations will have to answer for that as well. And so, if you're if you're finding yourself in a position of being powerless to the things you feel that God is calling you to do, trust God without a doubtful mind and do them. For in that you believe God has called you to this, then God will see you through. God will provide for you. God will, will make everything work together for your good in your faithfulness to his call. And that's exactly what he's saying. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't be of a doubtful mind. The eating and the drinking and the clothing and everything else, he said, that that is going to be added unto you in verse number 31 he said that those things are going to be added to you the 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 thing that you need to be about the thing that you need to do is seek god's kingdom and bless it that's what we need to be curious about why because the nation seeks after the the world he says in verse number 30 for all these things what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear all these things do the nations of the world seek after that's 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 what the world seeks after because it does not have christ it doesn't have the kingdom of god it it doesn't have a connection to reality and so it chases after all those things which will be false He says, your father knows what you have need of. Your father knows what you need, and your father's going to provide for what you need when you need it and how you need it. God's got this. Now, there are a load of challenges. I mean, you understand that God's got this, but you also understand that the ministry isn't going to happen without people. Now, could God fund the preacher's corner without people? I believe that he could. But I also believe that God puts this ministry on people's hearts, as he has. I mean, I continually thank you guys for the support that has come into this ministry as concerning financially, because there are a lot of pieces of equipment. If you haven't noticed the backgrounds and the way that they've changed, there's a lot of equipment that has had need to be purchased in order to be able to make the the, the sound and, and the video and the and the lighting and all of these different elements that that I personally had no idea uh, went into broadcasting and into something like this and and so uh, God knew what what was required and God has been making that provision with with without me understanding half the time what in the world he's got me doing but praise God he knows and so it's without a doubtful mind that that the trust is given unto the Lord on your end that that what you're doing for this ministry makes a difference for this ministry and what I'm doing on my end to to be faithful to this ministry and how God wants it to carry on and and between you and me and God we three are making this thing happen and and it, it it's it's awesome to watch God make those provisions watch God make those those things happen that that 
you didn't know about, that I didn't know about, but that God knew, and he brings it all together. And so if we continue forward without a doubtful mind, not worrying about the things that, that we don't have control over, but trusting God through every single detail, then uh, God will add to you for you to be able to bless others, and God will add to this ministry to continue being a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the world, and God will add to, to everyone who just trusts Him, God's going to add, and that's exactly what He's saying. He said, your Father knows what you need. Your Father's got the, the, all these things in your life under control, even though it feels on your side that you're, you're out of control, that things are spinning in, in circles. God's got this. Don't be doubtful. Don't have a doubtful mind. Trust in Jesus. Trust God. And it says, but verse number 31, but rather seek the kingdom of God and these things, they'll be added to you. And then he, he says, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure. Your father's good pleasure to bless you and to give you this kingdom. So don't worry. Don't worry about it. Just trust God. I thank him for his message today. He's so true. Father, we're grateful and we trust you. And and Lord, give us the courage not to worry. Give us the strength not to worry. There is so much in our lives that we're we're incapable of controlling. There's so much about our lives that we're incapable of controlling. But to have a life surrendered to you is to to have a life without worry because in our trust of your word, in our trust of your work, we know, Father, that you have us, that you care for us, and that you will provide and watch over us. So God bless us. Bless us with this hope that we have, with this trust that you're building inside of us to just simply surrender to you and follow you. And it will be well with our soul this day. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Well, God bless you guys, and may he keep you guys and cause his face to shine upon you, and I'll catch you next time here at the Preacher's Corner. Take care.